And so the book of Habakkuk is truly coming to a close today. Um, I hope it has been awesome for you as we've journeyed through it. So let's do this as just a reminder. We'll do one more recap of what the whole book of Habakkuk has been about. If, if this is your first time with us, uh, this will give you a complete overview. If uh, you've been with us through the whole series, then hopefully you've got this re- memorized by now. Um, the book of Habakkuk is this. It begins with an irritated Habakkuk. He's upset that his nation is full of evil, and he's also upset that other people are coming in to, to conquer. So in other words, it's just how long is chaos going to abound, which we can all identify with, right? Chaos in our own lives. We, we get that. So he's irritated. He's irritated that there's a situation that he can't explain that's, that's frustrated him. And so hopefully you've identified with that. God was gracious in his response. So God gives this gracious response of, hey, Habakkuk, be patient. I'm doing way more than you could ever dream or ever imagine. And then Habakkuk is confused next. And so we get the confused Habakkuk. He responds with, um, God, I understand you're doing more than I could ever dream or imagine, but how on earth can you use evil to accomplish your purposes? And so that's where he got to next. It's kind of the problem of evil in philosophy today. How can a loving God use evil to accomplish his purposes? And so Habakkuk's confused, but then God gives a blunt response. And so the blunt response is this. I am allowing evil to build a case against itself. So in the last days, no one will be able to say, I didn't know that or I didn't know this. Evil will judge evil. And so this is where the five dooms were pronounced, if you remember that. Doom for this, doom for that, doom for this. And then he ended with, so in other words, Habakkuk, keep silent before a holy God. I am God, I am holy, know your role, um, and be quiet. So this is where that ended, and then Habakkuk responds worshipfully. That's where the book is culminating in chapter 3. And so you remember, um, he begins worshiping with petition, but not petitioning God for what God can do, petitioning God for who he is. God, I don't, I'm not, I don't need what you can do with your hands. I just need you. And that's how he responds. He does this with the word what? Shigianoth. Yeah, there we go. Uh, it's a song. Chapter 3 is a, a, a song. And then he begins to adore. That's where we were last week. So he moves from petition to adoration. Um, so God, I will intentionally remember your acts of faithfulness throughout my life. And so he reflects. And so the question has been, when you hit a situation in life that you just can't explain, do you respond in this way? Or is it more, God, I just need you to do this or do that? Or is it, God, I just need you and I just want to adore you? And so this is where it culminates with. And today we'll end with confession and rejoicing. This is where he ends today. So... Buckle up for the next seven minutes. We'll rock and roll and close Brother Habakkuk. And let's look at it together. Verse 16, let's look at confession. He says this, I hear. I hear. I hear what? I hear everything you've said, God. All that we've studied the past seven weeks, I hear it. I hear it. And what happens? And my body trembles. When I hear you and your response, my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. I recognize how rotten I am at the sound of your voice. My legs tremble beneath me, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who have invaded us. And I love this. 
I love this because it's so human, isn't it? <laughs> Can I get an amen that this is human? I mean, this is so human and so real and so raw. It's gut-level honest. And that's what I love about the Scriptures, to be honest with you. Because if, if a man were just pinning the Scriptures, you would pin them in a way where everybody seemed to be above the rest of humanity or have their stuff all together. Not our Lord. He gives us the Bible in its raw details. This was a man who was flawed, and he admitted it, and his legs began to tremble. It's so real. I can identify with that. He says, this moment shaken me, Lord. In other words, at the sound of your voice, I recognize who I am in my frailty, and I recognize your power. That's where his chaos and confusion brings him to at this point. And so we, I think we could call this real confession as opposed to trite confession. You know, it's easy to walk in here, right? Especially on a day like today where we've got wreaths and a Christmas tree out there. I mean, how can you not smile with a Christmas tree lit outside, right? we walk in and it's kind of this, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. But when chaos hits, it's, whoa. And so in the midst of this moment, we've got this real confession. It sounds a lot like the disciples, doesn't it? When they're about to fall asleep, when Jesus says, hey, let's go pray together. You remember when they're about to fall asleep? And Jesus says, strive and labor because the flesh is weak. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is Weak, and so we feel that. It feels real, and Habakkuk gets really real right here. In other words, this right here is where we find the secret of true joy in the midst of chaos. And it'll pop up on the screen. The secret of true joy is right theology and not right situations. When you have a right theology about the sovereignty and the goodness of God... It will supersede any and all circumstances that you just don't understand. This is where it ends. In other words, it's okay to be confused about life. But it's not okay to be confused about your relationship with who God is and what He does. And so, he says, I don't understand, but I'll humbly wait. And I'll wait quietly. In other words, he says, I know... Full well who I am. I'm frail. I can't even control my tremors. Have you ever been in a situation that's got you so stressed out that you shake? Ever, and I'm not talking about just because you've drank seven cups of Starbucks espresso. That gets anybody shaking. But you hit that situation, it hits you so hard that your hands literally begin to shake. That's where he's at. And in this moment, he says, I know who I am at the sound of your voice, but I also know full well who you are and what you're capable of. That's where our moments of chaos should lead us to. And then he goes on to say this. So he confesses, number one, all the chaos leads him to confess, I'm frail, you are not, I'll sit and wait. And then he rejoices. Verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. Even though the flocks be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. If you haven't heard anything through the book of Habakkuk, just underline that. Yet I will rejoice. That's the answer. No matter the situation, no matter the chaos, yet I will rejoice. I choose to rejoice. He goes on to say this. 
I'll take joy in the God of my salvation. Notice he didn't say, I'll take joy if God fixes my situation. Did you catch that? He didn't say that. If God fixes this, then I'll take joy. He doesn't do that. He says, I'll choose to take joy in the God of my salvation. Verse 19, God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. Sorry if you play a wood instrument or a reed instrument, you're not included. Or percussionist, you're out. Sorry, Tanner. So this is where it ends. So he's not assured um, of anything other than his relationship. And being assured of his relationship with the Lord causes him to erupt in rejoicing. That's a long way from where we began this book, isn't it? We began with a ticked off Habakkuk. I don't get it. And now we end with a, I don't get it, but I'll strangely rejoice. Isn't that where we want to be? Isn't that the right posture of our heart where we want to be in the midst of chaos? What a great book. And that's the root. We ultimately just want to know that we are loved. And all earthly love will ultimately fail us, but we, we find stability in knowing that we'll be eternally loved by the Father. And you can only get there by contemplating the Father. <clears throat> A modern, well-known theologian showed us the opposite illustration. That little section that we just read, go back uh, just one. This little part right here, remember this is a song. And it's no different than any other love song that we sing. Songs that, that talk about whether the, whether the dog comes back or not. I'll keep on loving you, you know, whatever. This is a song, okay? A, a modern theologian, this gives us the biblical view, but a modern theologian has given us the worldly view of that. He goes by the name of Ed Sheeran. He posted it this way in a song called Thinking Out Loud. And it's just like this other song, but here's what he says. When your legs don't work like they used to before, and I can't sweep you off of your feet, amen. Will your mouth still remember the taste of my love? Let's keep it PG. Will your eyes still smile from your cheeks? When my hair's all gone and my memory fades... And the crowds don't remember my name. When my hands don't play the strings the same way. Mm, I know you will still love me the same. So baby now. Woo, take me into your loving arms. Kiss me under the light of a thousand stars. Place your head on my beating heart. I'm thinking out loud. Here it is. That maybe. Maybe. Maybe we've found love. If my hair falls out, if I can't play the strings, if I can't pick you up anymore, if none of that stuff happens, maybe we've found love. Implication being, because if I've found love, then I've found all that I need. Get it? Now go back to Habakkuk. Even if the trees don't blossom, even if the fields don't produce any food, even if there's no herds, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. That's what makes me strong. Even if everything else fails, if I've found your love, Father, that's all I need.
that's where chaos should lead us to. And so Brother Habakkuk, in the midst of utter weakness and brokenness, he chooses to rejoice. I charge you, church, choose to rejoice in the midst of your chaos. Something wonderful happens when we're overwhelmed with worship that we just can't explain. And in this moment, he says, even if all nature fails, I choose to intentionally praise you because at the end of your chaos, just like Habakkuk, you can choose one of three options. You can choose to boil and just absolutely erupt on everyone around you. Anybody want to raise their hand and say, yo, that's me, that's me. Nobody wants to. I guess I'm the only one, okay? Or you can choose to sulk, go hide in the closet, woe is me. I'll just let the chips fall where they may. Or you can choose to rejoice. You can choose to worship. You can get in the scriptures. You can put on the worship music. Again, I would urge you Shane and Shane or Phil Wickham. They're kind of catching up in competition with one another. Um, You can gather to pray. You can get to church. You can go to your community group. You can sit in nature. You can listen to sermons. Whatever it is, you can start serving in gospel missions somewhere. Whatever it is. Doing the spiritual disciplines, pursuing the Lord is ultimately where you'll find the answer you're looking for. And that is rejoicing only found in a relationship with the Father. So friends, families, therapists, they're all great gifts. They're all wonderful gifts. But if your default response in the midst of chaos, and I was going to try to grab my phone, but I don't know where it's at. If your default response in the midst of chaos is to pick up the phone and call mom, You've just bypassed the Lord. If your default response in the midst of chaos is just go, well, I just need a therapist. Therapists are awesome gifts. Love them. We just brought one, if you guys remember, (laughs) to the stage these past couple of weeks. Awesome gifts, but if that's your default response, then you're bypassing the Lord. And the Lord goes, come to me if you're weary and if you're heavy laden. And I will what? I'll give you rest. It's ultimately found in the Lord. So when all hell breaks loose in the world and in your world, Habakkuk has given us a wonderful formula, hadn't he? Let's close this book. Last time we'll pop this on the screen. Here we go. The book of Habakkuk. Number one, he began with open and transparent conversations with God. His irritations, his confusions, what upset him, there was a lot of listening going on, church. If we take away anything from that, we can go, it's okay to talk to God like a real person, right? And so we see all of those things. And then don't be shocked if God's response to you in the midst of what you don't understand is, hey, I'm, I'm not going to answer that, but will you worship me anyway? Because that's where he culminates with. And then we see Habakkuk's wonderful, worshipful response, which I do think is a great formula. I think it's a great formula, not just because it's in the book of Habakkuk, but if you take that formula, lay it right here, and then take the Lord's Prayer and lay it right beside it, you know what you're going to find out? They mirror one another. This is a wonderful formula. And so Habakkuk comes to the Lord and he says, Okay, forget my chaos. Lord, number one, I need you. Number two, I'm going to intentionally adore and remember all the historical ways you've been faithful to me. Number three, I'm going to confess that I am fickle and my knees be knocking. And then number three, rejoicing, but I choose to rejoice even with 
my knees knocking. And so remember, Habakkuk's problems weren't solved on earth, were they? The nation still gets whacked. Almost wiped off the face of the earth. Other than the fact that the Lord kept a remnant. He didn't get all of his earthly questions answered. But his problems were absolutely solved in his heart. Being that the earth may crumble, but I'm unshakable in my relationship with the God that created me and loves me and is for me. Do you believe in the Lord that way? So, what is God doing in your situation? I don't know. And you probably don't know either. But we know this. In the chaos that you're experiencing, he is fitting you for eternity just like he was fitting Habakkuk. Troy, what do you mean by that? What I'm saying is he's not wasting your struggle. He's not wasting your confusion. He's not wasting what you don't understand. He's using it for your good and ultimately his glory. And he's molding you through your turmoil to be fit for eternity. To handle it well now because one day you will handle it well in all of eternity. That's what heaven's all about. Heaven's not the absence of failure. We realize that, right? Some people want to throw tomatoes at me right now. It is sinless. Okay, there is no sin, yes. But it's not the absence of failure. In eternity, what I'm trying to say is you're not going to go play golf and shoot an 18. Right? It's not going to be holy. Jesus might. I don't know how that plan plays out. Um, in heaven, it's, it's, it's not just perpetual vacation. We still work. I just totally ruined some people's Thanksgiving. Right? I mean, you know, work existed before the fall, right? Adam and Eve worked. And ultimately the Lord will have us producing. And, but it's fitting us for eternity because even as we're working and even as we're doing all the things, playing golf, whatever, we'll respond in the right way. We'll respond without sin. You can say, Troy, where do you get all this from? Well, we just talked through systematic theology on Wednesday nights. Brandon Sinanen can give you a total recap if you'd like. We spent a whole semester looking through all of this. But the beauty is this. In your struggle and in your strife, the Lord is morphing your attitude, your mind, your heart, your hands to be that of worship. And that's what eternity will be about. We will worship perfectly for all eternity. We'll always have the right responses. We'll always have the right actions. We'll always respond in worship. Whether we're worshiping, like kneeling down before the Lord, or whether we're working and worshiping Him with our hands and enjoying the new creation, new heavens, and new earth. And how gloriously stress-free life will be when we respond always in worship. So with that said, we say goodbye to our friend, our mentor, and our pastor Habakkuk for the past seven weeks. I hope Habakkuk has been great for you and your family as we've looked at these things together. If you've got any questions, feel free um, to buy me lunch and we'll talk about it. <laughs> and we'll hang out and we'll look at the glorious news of all of this. Band, come on back up. Well, church, that is our 20th book of the Bible to go through verse by verse together. How awesome is that?